Welcome back to the show. This is the Zero to Hear podcast. I'm your host, Danny Dumas. On today's show, fellow realtor, Mindy Minhas. We have a lot in common and we kind of dig into all those different topics today. We both grew up playing basketball. That was kind of what our life revolved around until we were like 20 years old. He has been in real estate for the last three years. So just hearing his experience through this crazy wild industry that we're in, he had some uh, health scares a few years back. CBD oil has really helped him through a lot of that. So just hearing his experience and how crazy powerful this plant is was very, very cool. He's an awesome dude. Had a great time chatting with him. Hope you enjoy the show. Manny, thanks a lot for coming on the show, man. I uh, obviously have heard a lot of good things about you from Abby, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I feel like uh, we have a ton in common, even though I haven't never really connected with you. So I'm uh, looking forward to where this kind of goes today. Yeah. Uh, obviously, want to start with sports. I think that has had a huge role in my life and sounds like yours as well. I've said this multiple times to people of just like, I think everyone at some point in their life should play sports just because of all the crazy little lessons uh, you learn along the way. Um, but what, I guess, when when did you get into basketball? You've been playing um, since you were a little kid, probably. I've been playing since I can remember, yeah. yeah. I've been playing all sorts of sports. I used to play street hockey with the nets in the alley. I used to get yelled at by all the neighbors <laughs> for hitting their cars and all that, but we used to play street hockey used to play football, like tackle football without pads or anything. Yeah. Just the kids on the block, right? Yeah. Um, everybody used to, or everywhere around the block used to come to my house because we had a hoop. We'd pull that out in the alley. So we'd play ball in the alley. Mm. Just all, all sports, tennis, golf, anything. Anything that we could play, we'd play. I feel like I should have introduced you maybe a little bit more. So if people don't know Mindy, Google him. Uh, he, you won MVP? 2014, yeah. 2014, they won the Quad A, uh, Winston Churchill. They won the Quad A Basketball Provincials, and Mindy was the MVP. I I heard a lot about you. I heard you were a pretty good player. Yeah. And for me to say that, <laughs> I don't say that very often, but in chatting with Abby, because um, obviously I mentioned quickly that Carl and I played a lot, and it was the majority of my life for the first 20 years or something. Um but what what kind of things did you learn from basketball? We'll get into business a little bit in terms of like what you took away from sport and has helped you kind of in your entrepreneurial type career. But like looking back, what did you, what are some of the big things you took away from basketball? Um, the biggest thing I learned early on was hard work because uh, it was pretty simple. Actually, I remember not be able to do left hand layups. Yeah. And, uh, a simple drill that coach told me to do was that was a mic and drill. So that was the only drill I knew. And I remember mm-hmm. in my backyard, I would just do the mic and drill like in the summers, it'd be just hot sun. And I'm like, probably like seven, eight years old. I'm just trying to do like the mic and drill. And I think having people that kind of just guided me in the right direction, like one person here or another person there. And then eventually I met my, uh, coach Pasha Baines. You, you've heard of Pasha, right? Absolutely. I was, 
I don't, you know Chad Clifford then too, right? Chad's my homie, man. Yeah. I love Chad. Okay. I love Posh. So Chad here. just posted something a couple days ago of the first drive basketball team ever. Yeah. And me and Carl were on that team. So he had a photo of us when we were like 13 or something. Yeah. Oh, is that is that you in the back there? Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, oh that's hilarious. Yeah. And then me with the headband in the front. <laughs> Chad looking like, oh, I can't remember. Posh just called him out on something. Yeah. Looking like Bruce Jenner or something. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. He said something recently. Yeah. He called him out. But yeah, man, those two guys really those those two guys in basketball kind of shaped my uh early days in childhood like grade five six seven i would go to dry fitness and that a lot of people don't remember dry fitness because i used to be across the tim hortons on alderbridge way in uh, richmond and uh just a warehouse that was turned into a boxing gym and then those ellipticals and like cardio machines upstairs and then you had Isaac Payne. I don't know if you guys know Isaac Payne. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great trainer. He he was uh, a partner with them, and he would do the fitness training. Okay. And then Posh guys would do the basketball training. And that was every day, like, from grade five, six, seven. Probably, yeah, man, every, every single day. We'd go six, seven days a week, probably miss a couple. Like, I could count on my hands the days I probably missed in those three years where we didn't have a scheduled workout with Posh and Chad guys. Yeah. And so three straight years. Yeah. I think that those three straight years kind of helped me get the edge over the competition that I was playing against. And, um, but there's a thing that happened like after grade seven, eight, when you get to high school, you know, there's that, there's that pull between your AAU coaches and your high school coaches. And then you don't get the same, uh, I felt like I didn't get the same training I did as I like from grade five to grade seven that I got with those guys yeah. every single day. It was it wasn't the same after high school, but what we did in those years, I felt like kept me a little bit above the competition. Yeah. When did you realize you were good? Uh, probably grade seven when we went down to our first uh, AAU tournament down in the U.S. and uh, we were in Seattle. And I can't remember exactly. We played against like we played against like Rotary, Seattle Rotary, um, the team that Zach Levine played for. I can't. Uh, Friends of Hoop. Okay. Um, and there was another team. Anyways, I I just remember just having like we went semifinals or quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and I just remember just playing in the U.S. and everybody would say, "Oh, the you know the U.S. is totally different," blah blah. blah. And I just remember having like three straight games of 30 plus and um i felt confident and the right then and when i knew i could do that against the u.s yeah and i knew back home was gonna be a piece of cake because you know playing as a playing as a kid down here when we go when we whenever we go to the u.s you know how it is as a hooper from being from canada Mm -hmm. whenever you play against competition from the u.s it's it's talking about in a different context for sure right there's an asterisk around the u.s or going down south they just, I, I was in Seattle. Uh, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, but one of my nephews was in grade th- uh, three. So he was playing in a grade three, like a uh, club team event in Seattle. And I went to go watch a couple games. It's just a completely different atmosphere. Like they take it so seriously. The parents are like insane yelling and screaming at kids and the refs in grade three. And yeah. you just don't get that in, in Canada. Nope. So it's just, I think that's, they're uh, bred. You know, 
I think for us, we see that as yelling and blah, blah, blah. They see but it as I see that as passion, man. Totally. They see it as passion. Yeah. That's why they're so much better than us. Yeah. You can swear. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a completely different environment. And you're just bred to be competitive yeah. as a little kid. And I feel yeah. like in Canada, that's pretty rare. Yeah. It has to come from you, whereas... In yeah. the States, it comes from the environment. And on top of that, I grew up listening to Tupac, so I was very aggressive growing up as a young kid. <laughs> <laughs> Tupac basketball, that was my, that's my childhood right there, man. Yeah. When you look back at your basketball career, what are some, obviously the provincial championship was yeah. a big moment. What are some big moments? Um, top of my head right now, I remember against Tupper, I had a 52-point game. and what, I gr- have, what grade was that? I want to say grade 12. Okay. Yeah, 52 point game. And um, it's, yeah, I had 32 a half and I didn't miss a single shot. And you missed a shot in the first half? I didn't miss a shot <laughs> in the first half. Yeah. I ended up missing in the second because I started heat checking. And uh, yeah, so that one I had 52. And then against John Oliver in grade 11, uh, on the way to the city finals, we played John Oliver at John Oliver. And, uh, I think I had 32, and I didn't miss a single shot that game either. And that was in the uh, Vancouver Courier. Okay. Yeah, so that, that article was in the Courier where I didn't miss a single shot. Um, but to tell you the truth, I actually... If you only did. scored 32 and you didn't take a shot, you should no, I didn't, shoot more. No, I didn't man. miss. Yeah, you gotta no, shoot more. No, I mean, I... Oh, you gotta shoot more, I know. You only I scored actually, 32 I was, I was just about to say, I was, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I actually did miss one shot that game, but for some reason, it didn't come up. I don't know why I actually did miss a shot. <laughs> you got to get more shots. <laughs> Jeez. No, we, it was a blowout. It was oh, a blowout. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. only played the first half. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, against, oh, another highlight against, uh, there's a tournament that Burnaby South does every, like, near near winter break. Yeah. I remember this because it'd be our, after the final, we would go to our winter formal down. You know what the winter formal is, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Every year would, that would complicate things, but we played in that tournament for three years, and out of every year we went to the final, except for one year we didn't win. So, out of nine games, I believe it was, or it was ten or eleven games. I can't remember. It was nine games at minimum that we played over the course of three years in that tournament. I don't think I scored a. I didn't have a game under forty points. <laughs> oh yeah, it was that. I don't know. So it was something about that that gym and that tournament where I was just feeling it and yeah, I was just feeling it. And I don't think, yeah, I didn't score a, didn't have a game where I did not score less than 40. Can you, you mentioned the term feeling it. Can you, can you try to describe what it feels like when you're in the moment and you know, when you're in the moment yeah, and you know, it's yeah. the, it's the most amazing, like, Feeling like that's what you work so hard for is to feel that feeling of where you know that there's nothing they can do to stop you. You just need the right opportunity and the opportunity is going to come and you just got to be ready to let it fly, man. And when the hoop's looking big, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I, like I used to shoot deep threes too. So once I cross half, I'm looking to pull up right away. And I, I started doing that to my game because Steph Curry had started doing that and Manu Claire who was a guy that I played AAU with and just a couple years older than me, he would shoot deep too. Mm. And <coughs> that was becoming a thing. Shooting Is that deep. the guy with the beard? Manu? Yeah. He has a little beard, I think. Huh. 
Vaguely, it sounds familiar. I eh? vaguely remember someone named Andrew who was like he played drive too. He played for Team Canada. Shooter. He played with um, Andrew Wiggins in Huntington Prep. Like uh, super good shooter. Right? Very, he's yeah. He was com- yeah. he was being compared to Steph Curry by scouts. Okay, I think I remember him yeah. too. Yeah, deadly shooter. That's why he made Team Canada was for just for three point shooting. They had a three point competition in practice, and he won. I know he played for Team Canada. Uh, junior with like oh, well, he was he was yeah, on the yeah. team with like all those guys though okay like Wiggins and like B- Bennett or whoever whoever was on that team that'd be a cool experience yeah or Buller that guy was on the team too yeah he's done playing now I think do you uh, I feel the way that I explain myself is I remember the the shitty times better than the good times and I feel like that pushes me whether it's in business or it, it, with basketball growing up, do you remember those tough games? Do you remember those mistakes or those missed opportunities that lost a game or something like that? Um, No, I didn't. When it came to basketball and it came to those tough times, I would, uh, for me, after a tough game or if I didn't play well, I would just forget about it and think about um, how the next game, it's not going to happen again. Basically, what am what am I gonna do next game to make sure it doesn't happen again, and then forget about it? Because nothing I can do to control it now. If there's a mistake that's specific and that's something you can fix, then yeah, go back and look and fix it. But if it's something that you can't control, forget about it and move on. I can't do that. I still can't. It's you know what I like. And I, I, I'm be... talking like um, it's an easy thing to do, but yeah. obviously it's tough. It's tough for everybody, but it's a skill that. Like everything, you got to grow, right? And the better you get it, I guess, the, the better it'll be for your for your life, man. I don't know. I look at it the other way, though. I look at it as those painful mistakes or whatever happened. Yeah. For obviously growing mistakes, up, painful mistakes, yeah. Uh, growing up, it was basketball was my entire life. So that was where I found my self-worth kind of thing, right? So any of those mistakes, like if I missed a shot at the, I remember a couple times I missed a shot at the buzzer and I knew I should like, obviously I can hit that shot. Yeah. And I'd go, I would be the kid that went home and I'd be outside taking that shot, exact shot. I remember there was a step back three that I missed to lose the national championship. Oh, U 17. And you remember like specifics, eh? I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the words that were said in the timeout before, like so specific. And I went home that night and I probably took that shot 250 times, like literally just the exact same shot Yeah. till like 1am or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just couldn't get over those little things like that. Yeah. Fuck. So I use them as like motivation to push myself to get better, to not have that feeling of loss again. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's a, that's a, that's definitely a strong driver. The fe- the fear of loss or the... I don't know if it's the fear. the fear. And I think that's one of the things that sport taught me is how to lose. And I think that's really important yeah. moving forward in your career or relationships or whatever. Maybe. Lose, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of kids that grow up in Canada, especially cause we're so privileged in Canada that don't play sports that don't learn to lose that. Where you get third place trophies, <laughs> ninth place, <laughs> ninth place trophies. trophies Participation. Man, I remember grade seven, I ran a track meet and I got a, n- this is embarrassing to say, but I got a ninth place ribbon and it was like brown. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? The ninth place ribbon? First of all, I don't know how I came ninth place, <laughs> but I didn't remember getting that stupid ribbon. 
Did you, were you a point guard? Uh, I played point guard and shooting guard, yeah. Depending on the team. Yeah. I preferred to play shooting guard. Shooting guard, yeah. But I would bring the ball up the court in high nice. school most of the time. Provincial teams, I played more too. Provincial teams. Yeah. Is a uh, SDM, yeah. Our, even though we're, you're 23, so I'm seven years older than you. Even though we're only seven years apart, I feel like our upbringing in basketball is so different because provincial team doesn't mean anything anymore, right? Doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. everyone plays on like drive teams it's or whatever. It's so weird because yeah, back yeah. when we teams. used to play, like provincial team was every everything. Everyone it's in the province tried out provincial team. Drive saw the first opportunity to take that marketplace. There was no such, there was no other academy. Mm-hmm. Be, like RBL and like Steve Nash, yeah. They would cater to your, I don't know, your, like your local your local uh, market, yeah. but like Drive brought in all the best players from around the province and they put them in one gym. And I think that kind of started mm-hmm. the, now everybody's doing it, right? Look how mm-hmm. many clubs there are now and it's pretty profitable business. That's like CP for us. No, mm-hmm. I would even say a no because CP is like, you have to make it, right? Whereas these, they just, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. whoever CP would have to make it. Would drive you guys? Do they still have that? It's a business, man. They're gonna take your money regardless. Exactly. <laughs> They'll a Benny business will offer you anything, man. They're not gonna send you away. Like all these businesses, like all these basketball clubs. Yeah, they do AAU, but they all they all do like summer camps and like because parents now are thinking, oh, should I send my kid to a daycare or should I just send him to a basketball academy where he'll be physically active and do this and that? Yeah. Right. Why did you stop playing? Did you play college? Um. Not a official regular season game, no. 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 Are we okay to talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, totally okay. fine, man. Why did you stop playing? Uh, colitis, ulcerative colitis. Did was... it just come on like out of the blue? Like you had never had? It came two weeks after we won the championship. Um, I got diagnosed with it, and uh, so <clears throat> after I got diagnosed with it, um, my memory is not the greatest, but from what I can recall properly, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, so I got colitis with it. And then I had a everything, you know, full ride to UBC to go play ball there. And that was like, I had committed before I started my grade 12 year. And um, yeah, so got there, did training camp and everything, feeling good to go. I played one exhibition game against uh, University of was it Michigan? I don't know. So it was a it was a D one team that yeah. that came comes down. Yeah, I uh, don't remember the name, but we played an exhibition game against them. And then that next week during practice, I just remember getting like sharp pain in my back and my lungs, and like all this shit was going wrong with my body. But I didn't know what was happening. And uh, yeah, so um, <coughs> the colitis would reoccur again. And so I really didn't get in full remission because what I realized at that point was my medication wasn't working for me. So I had to switch on to a new one. And um, so this new one wasn't working either. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take, you know, a medical leave of absence this year from UBC and I'll see how it is next year. So that year was a write-off. And um, yeah, I worked to get back, you know, worked, worked really hard. Every, everything was gone because I was I lost all my weight I had, my body was like very very weak I went from being about my average weight it fluctuates but from 200 to a 10 that's my normal weight right anywhere from 200 to 210 yeah and uh I dropped down now to 170 and like 165 I was getting real Jeez. like yeah I was it was like a 
yeah, I was, I was, like I said, it was like a slow death, man. It was bad. And, um, um, yeah. So after that, um, got, got on different types of medications that would work for a certain period of time, mm-hmm. but eventually they would stop working. Right. So that was the issue I was facing. I couldn't find something that would keep me in remission. Would you have it like any side effects from these things that you were taking? Oh, crazy, man. Like you're mentally, yeah. I wasn't stable. I was fighting with my mom every day. I remember throwing remote controllers at the TV, um, like suicidal thoughts. And so you like, just weren't yourself at all? No, eh? not at all, man. I was, because the thing is, eventually what they do is, you know how I said I told you I went down to 165? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In order for somebody to get healthy, because you've been so weakened, and your body's so depleted in order for you to like to keep you to revive you and like to keep you healthy they give you uh prednisones yeah which you it's know like what prednisones right? right it's like a steroid yeah. and it's not nothing to like like weight lift or anything it's to get your body to shock it back into remission yeah and so when it does that uh, one of the things that the body does is when it's healing and you're on prednisones is you pack on weight really quick i'm talking 30 40 pounds in like a matter of like five days really yeah <laughs> and um so i went from like 165 back up to like 200 and like in a month or two i was uh i got near to like 230 at one point right so you can see how my hormones and weight and everything in my body is just all fucked up yeah so second year ubc goes by it was pretty much i'm just gonna save you the t- long talk it was the same story as first year everything went good training camp goes by have another flare can't play so i'm like fuck it i'm not going to ubc anymore and because I just didn't, you know, I'm losing my passion at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do in life. Um, I'm not able to do the thing I love and the thing that, you know, that only thing I cared about at that point. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, man. How frustrated were you? Oh, I was so, fr- I told you, I wanted to kill myself, man. Yeah. I seriously did. I, I live, yeah, man. I, I, I had, I had those thoughts and like, like seeing all the mental health shit kind of going around I'm like damn I was close man like I kind of re- I kind of have a better understanding of it now but it's still it's a vague topic right you, you everybody says mental health everybody reposts that shit but what the fuck is it really do we ever really talk about it no yeah right we just mental health but yeah man the drugs fucked me up for real but I'm glad I'm not uh you know I'm past that stage mm. but looking back at it that was one of my mm. greatest teachers because that taught me that basketball wasn't everything because when i i was starting to lose basketball and i thought my life was going to be over mm-hmm. that's what was happening because uh, my identity was basketball everything yeah. i did was basketball since i was like, i could remember right did you know it was colitis right away or did you have like any family history or anything mm-hmm. no well, nobody in our family knew what it was and like my parents are super involved in my life like my parents um I am who I am because of my parents. I got to say that, right? Since we are on the podcast. Um, but yeah, they're really involved in my life. Like to put it in context, I got a hot lunch every single day. My mom or dad would drop it off. Not a day went by where I didn't have a hot lunch. Like my parents That's care, man. Impressive, yeah, man. they I want mean, us to be successful, man. I made my own lunch since grade seven, I think. <laughs> yeah, because I was shooting at lunch, right? Yeah. So I needed the lunch dropped off because I was putting it in work, man. I was shooting. I was shooting at lunch and... Um, yeah, <clears throat> where were we? I just lost my thought, turn to thought. I, I want to pick your brain a little bit more about like what goes through your head as you're going through that. Because I've never been through something that serious, obviously, health-wise. Yeah, with colitis, well, first, I didn't know that colitis, ulcerative colitis, colitis sounds super serious. So you've been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. 
But if you there's what I've realized because I've been diagnosed with four years, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've come to understand that with the right diet. Well, this is for me because for every and <laughs> for everything, everybody's gonna everybody's gonna react differently. Like uh, for me, it was the right diet. It was not listening to what other people said mm-hmm. and listening to my body. Right, basically. Yeah. Once I started doing those three simple things, it's just listening to my body and listening to myself. And if I found the right medication, I was able to get in remission. Yeah. <coughs> Colitis is a disease. It's an autoimmune disease that um, attacks like the colon. And so I don't know if it's your cells or antibodies. They attack your, your own body. Okay. Because it's autoimmune disease and yeah. that's what colitis is. And doctors don't have a cure for it. They know how to block it. And that puts you in remission. So right now, I'm in a complete remission. We've figured out how to block it for me. And there's not any major side effects or anything. So I'm good with that, right? Mm. And um, the only thing is, you know, I just got to be, uh, wash my hands when I'm eating food just because my autoimmune system may be a little weaker when I, uh, you know, going out or something or eating food or just got to make sure I'm clean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could you feel yourself changing on the medication not at the time but looking back at it hell yeah yeah Yeah. looking back at it yeah at the time i mean if i knew obviously i'd do something about it but no you don't know at the time you definitely don't know at the time and you think you always think you're right too right yeah you always think yeah this is it should be like this you know i'm right this and that and um basically so after two years of ubc uh, my third year, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, I had a little bit of motivation left because I'm like, you know what, I'll go to UVic and kind of prove it to these guys. And that was, that was the wrong way to do it, but that was that's what was fueling me at the time. And so I'm, and it was fueling me to play ball again. So I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. So I went to UVic and couldn't get in remission enough for me to uh, stay long enough. And then that was kind of my last draw. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna say I'm done with basketball. But before I stop playing. I had opportunity to, to play at Langara for three months with my brother. And so I did that. Mm. So I played three months at Lang with my brother. And then I was like, okay, ball's done. I had just gotten my real estate license as well. And I completely, everything that I learned from basketball, I, because I don't have a formal education. Mm-hmm. I went to school, I went to UBC, but I didn't graduate with a formal education. And so the way I look at it is everything I learned from basketball um, and because I thought ball was life and everything that kind of happened kind of was getting me ready for this next chapter in life, man. And, uh, basketball taught me everything I fucking need to know to be successful in life and to be successful in business. Taught me everything I need to know. And I have the support system of my parents where I feel like, um, you know, nothing can stop me. And, uh, I've realized that this real estate game is very related to basketball and I've kind of found how I can relate that. And, um, I found, I've found goals and I've found visions that have ignited the passion in me again, that I used to have with basketball. So this is the first time in my life in the last five years, I've kind of, you know, feeling good about life where I'm ready to go. Like I was when I was hitting threes in people's face. (laughs) Where, do you remember where the transition happened from like <laughs> down in the dumps feeling like shit, not able to yeah. play basketball to was, transitioning? 
there's no one certain moment. It was it was a process of a bunch of things. It was, yeah. You just got to go through your shit, man. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going through, you just got to go through your shit. Yeah. Um, I went through my shit and I'm going to go through more shit. But mm-hmm. the shit I went through is going to prepare me to handle the shit that's coming at me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people that are currently going through shit on how to get through it? Whether it be mental health stuff, whether it be a, a, a physical illness. Um, and maybe advice is the wrong word, but more like something to take away from your experience that from may, my experience? may be able to help someone else. I'd say is just never quit, man. You gotta, you gotta go through every emotion. You gotta go through, you gotta see, you gotta unlock, try to unlock every door, man. You gotta see it out when it's over and when it's done or when there's nothing you can do about it, then yeah. Okay. But just don't quit. Yeah. Were there people that helped you through? Fuck yeah, man. You'll never do this on your own, man. You're always going to have somebody. I don't believe in, I did it on my own. It's fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) If you did it on your own, you, 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 everybody has role models. Everybody has someone to look up to. Everybody has inspiration. Everybody has someone to talk to. All that shit is something that's helping you. Mm -hmm. Inspiration. People that I don't even know that inspire me. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (coughs) You said, uh, you made a comment that basketball has taught you all you need to know to move forward, be successful in your new career. What are, what are like the top three, the top three things that you've learned? Cause I have a ton. Yeah. And I, I think we're more alike than you think, man. Yeah. Basketball, obviously growing up was yeah. like my entire life. Yeah. I played a couple of years of college. Yeah. I went, how many years of college did I do? Three, I think. I think I did three years. I don't have a degree. Nor do I want one. It's yeah. almost a point of pride for me now. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's cool. I don't, want this. <laughs> I don't need your piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and then now obviously in real estate too, similar pass. I didn't win a provincial championship though, nor a fucking national championship, even though I had two chances. (laughs) (laughs) Two chances to win a national championship. Yeah. We lost in the final in U15, uh, by four. Yeah. And then we lost U17 by two and I missed the three on the buzzer. (laughs) U17? U17. Yeah. That's tough, man. You know what, man? (laughs) <laughs> like I say, like I said earlier about the tough parts of my life, meaning and pushing me forward so much more than the wins. Um, that game has like absolutely lit a fire in my ass. And I think about it often, but I don't know if I'd be the same if, if we won that game, if that shot goes in, maybe my basketball career is a little bit different. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it's the exact same, but I don't think I'm as motivated. Well, yeah even into real estate, into work. Looking back at it now, would you have rather hit that shot? Absolutely And not. been a, no? No. Fuck yeah. Not even Because I, I would absolutely, like people ask me all the time, would you like, you know, what if you could go back and you didn't have clarity, would you? I'm like, no, I'm so glad that I went through this, man. I'm so glad that everything happened the way it did. Makes you stronger. Yeah, exactly. Well, you guys, you guys want to be yourselves if you didn't go through all that, right? Yeah. You'd be someone else. Facts. I think you have to go through in order to achieve the level of success that I want. I think you have to have adversity. If everything's easy, you're just going to, it's going to be, you're going to be, you're going to become too entitled. You're just going to stop working hard. Yeah. I don't know. That's the way. That's what I feel uh, like anyway. I agree, man. Totally agree with that. Okay. What did ball, what did basketball teach you? Um, 
Well, the the number one thing, like I said, remember we talked about hard work? Hard work, absolutely. Hard work, like seeing the results. So how you relate that to real estate is putting in the hours. Mm-hmm. Are you putting in the hours? What are you, what are you doing when you're putting in the hours, right? Um, so when I was, when it was for basketball, I'd be shooting because for me, the way I saw the game is if you can shoot the ball, it'll open up everything else. So that was the number one thing I focused on was shooting. And so how you relate that to how I relate that with real estate is constantly being up to date with everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Right. So everything that happens in, in my neighborhood or whatever I'm focusing on, I got to know, right. You got to know which house sold. Like right now I'm like keeping tabs on like 40 houses in South Van, right? And so we have like 40 something active listings right now. And um, when you do that, like the universal works in your favor. You, people don't understand is when you put in the hard work and you, you do the right things, the universe will work in your favor and you'll meet people, you'll meet referrals that come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and stuff will happen for you. Yeah. And so and the hard work is always number one. And then number two. You want to hear a few of mine? Yeah, I'll let's hear a few of yours. Uh, hard work, obviously, yeah. but I spin it in a way that the hard, you can always get better. There's no such thing as perfection, and basketball proves that. Yeah. So I guess sport proves it. Golf is fucking hard too. <laughs> <laughs> but you can always get better. You can, I guess maybe not for you. You had games where you didn't miss a shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I ever had a game where I didn't miss a shot, Carl. That's because you wouldn't have stopped shooting. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I took too many shots. That's why. <laughs> but you can always get better. Yeah. So that, I really, that excites me. The fact that I'm not as good as I could be excites me. I definitely learned that through sport. Life's not fair. I think a lot of people in greater Vancouver who grew up in like middle class or upper class families who everything was very easy growing up don't know that and yeah. they think they deserve things. I know that I don't deserve anything. Yeah. I just need to work harder than other people to get things. Yeah. Whether it be the next sale, whether it be what, you know, whatever it is. Exactly. Life's yeah. not fair. That's one thing that, that's a big thing for me that sport taught me. Um, I think just the power of routines and I, I guess it goes back to hard work, but power of routines, scheduling huge, yourself, man. putting in time, understanding that yes, everything you do on a day to day basis isn't fun, but in order to achieve a goal, goal setting routines, whatever it may be in order to achieve a goal, you have to put in X amount of time. You have to just keep doing things to continually improve, to get to that goal. So whether it's goal setting or routine, but I think those are huge things that sport taught me too. Yeah. Yeah, power of routine is huge. I used to have this, I had the same routine, yeah, since I can remember. Walk in, stretch, form shoot, uh, stationary shots, moving, get some ball handling, and then then you would get your workout. Like, that would be my pre-workout, and then you'd start your workout. Yeah. But, like, it's a routine. Yeah. Every single day. Even just, uh, what's the right word for this? Discipline. Discipline, right? Like. Yep. What you eat matters in sport. You know, how late you stay up matters. Are you going to parties with your friends and drinking in high school or not? Sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. Sacrifices. Yeah. There's so many carryover, so much carryover. I love it. Um, So why real estate? You mentioned that your dad's a developer. So did that kind of push you in that direction? Have you always wanted to work for yourself? 
I've all I didn't I had no idea that I would be a real estate agent first of all. Yeah. Um I thought, you know, I'd probably be playing pro. That's what I thought I would be doing. Yeah. But I'm so glad that I'm not because I've I've, I've seen the you know how tough the life is and it seems glamorous but um if you're not playing in the top tier league or mm-hmm. you know it's just tough out there. It's a the thing that kind of drove me away from that is that it's a finite time period. You're you're only going to even if you're a great basketball player, you're only going to play till you're 35. Yeah. And what then you what? Do after? Yeah, you're a third exactly. of the way done your life. Then and, what? And that's another thing like I'm like I was thinking about it. I'm like okay, if I do end up playing pro blah 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 like I want to be I want to live a good life, you know. I want to be able to do the things I want to do and then basketball wasn't going to give me that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn shit. I got to <laughs> I got to figure out something else, right? And then, so real estate could do that for me. And my dad, I shouldn't say he's a developer, but he's in the field. Okay. Um, he uh, has he I, he has a lot of knowledge that he passes down to me, and he's kind of like my coach right now, right? He's my dad is uh, he has his uh, business degree from a master's degree from in business from India, but it doesn't apply here, obviously. But the knowledge that he gained from there is coming to use now because I'm able to, you know, kind of understand everything. And he puts it in a, he puts it in an understanding for me where it's easy for me to understand. And then I'm able to, you know, kind of dish that out to my clients. So we're a team. We work, we work together. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Sorry. I think I spoke too much earlier and I might've (laughs) drained out all my words. What was your first year of real estate? Like for people getting into this industry, it's, it looks really glamorous on the outside. Yeah. It's not that glamorous. It's not it's that glamorous. It's really, really hard. It looks glamorous. Yeah. I mean, we're going to make it look glamorous yeah. because we want your money. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, p- people think it's easy. I get I get kids in high school messaging me all the time from my high school. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're doing real estate. You're doing well. Um, you know, I want to do it too. I'm going to get my license. But it's like they don't they don't understand that first. Like, do you are you able to support all the fees you got to pay? Mm. All, all the you know the insurance, the liability, um, your board fees, like all the stuff, your 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 uh, brokerage fees, mm-hmm. you know. Um, some some of these guys aren't paying their own cell phone bills, and they want to you know become a realtor. So it's like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> like it's. I mean, I'm not the. I shouldn't be the one telling anybody what and what not to do to become a realtor or not. But it's it's not as easy as it seems, and you know we do get rewarded nicely because it's it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to do to broker a deal. I mean, it may may look easy, but it takes a lot of experience, and you know that that's why I'm I'm I know I'm in this industry young, but I have a lot of mentors that are older. Mm-hmm. That that whenever I do make a decision, I know I'm young, so I don't make a decision for my clients. Their most important decision, I don't I don't make that for them. Um, they're realtor, but it's my job to make the best decision for them. So I, obviously I talk to my mentors. I make the best decision for them. If I don't know, I ask. You can always get the answers. Do you think especially. you're making decisions for them though? Uh, no, I'm giving them the decisions. right. I'm not making decisions for them. I'm just giving them the right. I'm presenting them the work and then they're making the decision with the research. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. That. And I'm not making decisions for anybody. No. One of the things we can talk about later, but one of the... <laughs> Question more like about what frustrates you about our industry. And there's a lot of things on my list, 
And one is realtors understanding that it's not their job to make decisions for people. Their job is to provide them information, exactly. research, give them all the information and let them make a decision. Yeah. Your right? job to service them regardless exactly. what you think. Yeah. I've had people on the phone call me and just be like, I can't let my client do this. I'm like, why not? You're not giving them any information. You're not helping them. Yeah. All you're saying is no. Yeah. What, give me a reason of no. Yeah. The, there's so frustrating, Carl. Yeah. What do you do? What are you supposed to do? Yeah. So you've been in the industry. Well, I'm going to ask you, what are you supposed to do when you run into a realtor like that? You educate them. <laughs> you educate them. <laughs> yes. You educate them. It's the best not easy, ability, man. Right? It's not easy. Because everyone thinks, not everyone. I should be, I should um, specify a little bit more. A lot of inexperienced realtors think all the other realtors are against them. And the experienced, knowledgeable, successful realtors understand that we're working together. together. So, <laughs> <laughs> someone called me today. Oh, no. Uh, I haven't accepted an offer right now in a condo in the West. The agent sends an offer in, whatever, it was a week, week ago or something. And I call him immediately and just be like, hey, thanks for the offer. It's really low. Like, w can you give me some sort of background on why you're coming in at this number? Yeah. Because he sent an email, literally said, see attached offer. Yeah. No no information. No information. Like, where, where is this number coming from? I need something to something talk to, to the yeah. seller with, right? I want to work with you. I want, it, I want to sell the property. And all he says is, uh, the last unit sold for X. And I'm like, that one didn't have a balcony. And we're facing the river, so we have a great view. And that one was facing a building. He's like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that." I'm like, "Did you look at the other three sales that show exactly like we're priced literally below the last two sales that are similar units?" He's like, "No, I didn't see those." I'm like, "Okay, well, can you please send these to your client and tell them to rewrite the offer?" Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just ridiculous that people don't do any research and expect to make a lot of money. Making, yeah. Anyway, they're going to get wiped I could, out. I could rant a lot about that <laughs> stuff. I'm, you know what? A lot of people ask me how I feel about a slower market and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. We've already lost a thousand realtors this year. Yeah. I was just about a minute. It was over 15,000 realtors in greater Vancouver. Now it's like 14,200 or 14,200. That's the number the right now. The are yeah. getting exposed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The people that just had yeah. a couple of cousins buy a place a couple of years ago. It's probably keep going keep going down, eh? I think so. Yeah, I don't think 2019 is going to get any busier. I think it's right. going to be slow and steady for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So I know a handful of people that haven't done a deal yet this year and that mm. can't really survive too long without selling anything in, in a full commission role. <laughs> uh first year. I like talking about first year just cuz it's it's a big learning experience. Yeah. It's uh a bit of a wake, at least mine was, a bit of a wake-up call in terms of this is a lot harder than it seems on the surface. Yeah. But, like, as a new agent from your first year, if someone else is thinking about getting into real estate or is in their first year, where do you go to find new clients? What are what are your routines are you setting up to build network and meet new people and find that next deal? Well, if you're a first agent, the first thing you got to do is you got to tap your, like, your warm network, everybody you know. You kind of got to, you know, let them know, hey, how you doing? Um, I wanted to let you know I became a realtor. You know, if you ever come across anybody that's making a real estate transaction, or if you're thinking about it, I hope you think of me. Mm -hmm. And then you just hope that, you know, when the time comes that they do because you're not, you know, you don't want to force anybody to 
you know, you just, you want to let them know and you want to stay at the top of people's mind. You want to let people know that, you know, like for me, I, I want to let people know I'm a full-time agent. I want to let them know that I'm always working for them, you know, and you want to, you want to advertise and you want to tell people about your, you know, your strength and advertise yourself in a way where eventually, uh, not, I shouldn't say advertise. I said, you should, you should be working in a way where if you get one client and you work and you do, you do a good job for them, they'll, you'll, you'll, you're going to start getting referrals because what people don't understand is this is a referral based business, man. Mm-hmm. If you, at the end of the day, real estate is a referral based business. And if you do a good job, people appreciate, you know, good service and they're going to come back to you. They're going to refer their uncle, their, their, their friend who they work with. Um, what ways early on in your career did you reach out to your network? We're giving away secrets here, right? <laughs> I'm no, just, I'm joking, there I'm are no secrets. No, there There's are no, no secrets. secrets right? There are no secrets. I'm it's just, easy to say, yeah. but it's it's more difficult to actually put a plan I actually in place went on, on I went on I went on my block. Yeah. And I knew on my block there was a guy, a taxi guy, who was renting and he was gonna go with another homie, another guy that was also single, and they were both gonna rent a basement together. Hmm. And so I knew they were gonna do that and I told them, you know, I'm becoming a realtor. We started you know, uh, report, started talking back and forth. And eventually both of them bought for me and they both gave me referrals as well. They're taxi buddies. And that allowed me to get into that little niche market as well a little bit. Yeah. Um, another market I was able to get into was the, um, uh, first time home buyers, Indians that have came from India because I can speak Indian very well fluently Mm -hmm. and English very well. So that allowed me to, and I wear a turban and, um, I look like a, you know, it's very, I mean, very easy to approach for somebody that came from India and is living in Surrey or, or as a student or somebody. How do you find those people though? How do I find those? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm pretty active on social media. Um, I just recently started doing some ads. Um, and at the end of the, like for me, the way I look at my business is I'm not worried about making a quick sale or even if I have like two, three months where I don't make a sale, I'm not worried about it because for me, this is very, very long game. And I'm looking at it 20, 40, 30 years down the line because I fucking live Vancouver and I've already lived 20 years here and I'm, I'm going to live the rest of 80 years here as well. So it's a little very, very long game for me. And um, I may look at things a little differently at, you know, than others. Where did that mindset come from? Where did that long-term approach come um, from? Basketball. Because when I was in grade eight, I knew in grade 12, I was going to win the provincial championship. And um, I had uh, I had, had, I had written it on, a, uh, you know, those printer papers you get. So I wrote my goals down on them and I had it taped on my roof. So every day when I would wake up in the morning, that was the first thing I would see. And the crazy thing about goals is when you first make a goal, it seems impossible. But every single day when you look at your goal and you practice it and you live it out in your mind, when you think about it, the vision at first, it's not clear. But the more and more you do it, it's like like every muscle. The more and more you do it, the vision comes together in your mind. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I had been forming that vision over five years since I was grade eight. And when I was in grade 12, like before the finals, I had goosebumps. I was puking, so fucking nervous. But what got me through it was just the vision I knew was going to happen. And I remember before playing, out, before playing the game, I could see it in my head, picking up the trophy I could visualize how the game was going to be because I had seen where the stadium was going to be. I had seen where the fans were going to be. Everything I've already, it's already gone through my head, right? 
So if I've, I've already seen the shots I'm going to be, the looks I'm going to be getting, um, you know, I, I've already thought about what I'm going to talk to my younger brother and my younger teammates because they're all younger than me. I got them hyped before the game, you know. Um, shared one of my favorite Muhammad Ali quotes with them and told them, you know, whatever happens, we made it like all that kind of stuff is all visualized, right? So mm-hmm. if you don't plan it, it's if you don't if you don't plan your life, it's going to happen to you. And so that was one of the that was probably one of the bigger things I learned from basketball as well is visualization, thinking about it, goal setting, and all that stuff. We just just went through. Yeah. What are your uh, big goals with real estate? Uh, those I don't I, I don't like sharing. What I don't like sharing those. Why not? <laughs> it's just uh I mean you should you should written, compa- I, Is there I, anything written on the ceiling of your room right now? Yeah. And there's there's <laughs> you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be, and the reason I don't want to share my goal is because nobody should compare themselves to anybody else. You're your own competition. And I'm not competing with anybody else. I don't want anybody to compete with me. And yeah, so I'm my own competition. This is, you know, I'm out here to do what I'm going to do and I'm not looking to compete with anybody. So yeah, that's why I don't want to share my goal. Give me one of them. I'll give, give you one of my goals? Yeah. Um, one of my goals was to uh, own a condo before 23 and we just took pictures of it today. Sick. Yeah. Do you move in yet? Um, I'm gonna rent it out. You rent it? Out? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Carl, what what age did you buy your first condo? Well, twenty seven. Nice. We're not. Nobody's comparing anyone to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> what frustrates you about our industry? About our industry, there's got to be things. Um, what first is about our industry is the developing process with the city, um, the permit process, application process. Why does it take a year to two years <laughs> to get something done where we can get it done within yeah. hours online off a cloud-based system? Yeah. Which Abu Khan, my friend who ran for city council last year, unfortunately didn't win, but I think he'll be back hopefully. And I'm not in the city councilor role, but I think we'll see him around. And um, he actually proposed that and brought that to my attention. So that's why I wanted to shout him out. But that's something that could be changed and the city doesn't want to because they're greedy for our money. We had a podcast maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago yeah. with um, Todd Talbot. You know him? No. You know the show Love It or List It? Yeah, I've heard about it, but I've never actually he, seen it. I probably should watch it. the character on there. And we were talking about affordability in, in Vancouver and how do we change that. And then obviously there's a few different things that we agreed upon that the city needs to take those steps to get there. But one of them is the permit process. Why does it take so long? Why does it take two years to get a permit? Yeah. It's ridiculous. And they say they want to help us and they want to say they want to do this and that. They but it's all preaching. based on money, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't give a f- don't give a shit. It's media-based, <laughs> man. Even the little hype we had last, that little jolt we had last month was all media-based. It was all media-based confidence injected into the market, and now it's going to cool back down again, and they control that shit. I feel. That's my opinion. Why does the public believe that stuff? Because the public is uneducated. Majority of people are uneducated. That's just how it is, and that's just how it's been, and that's just how it will be. Unless, you know, 80% of the population decides to wake the fuck up, (laughs) but I don't know. What are the ways we educate them? What are the ways we educate them is... And I don't mean me and you. Like, I mean, you, yeah, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> if we're talking real estate specifically, real estate let's talk about like our industry. How yeah. how does our industry get? How are honest messages getting out? 
on what do you mean honest messages get no like well like all this a lot of the stuff that you see in the media is just a headline oh. it's like a very specific stat that they just blow out of proportion yeah, yeah, yeah. to say oh sales are down 99% this year and yeah. it's just like a garbage number that they're throwing yeah, out i share all that shit in, but <laughs> <laughs> that's just to get some you know hopefully there's somebody out there that is attracted to that and oh, yeah you know that's for first years that's right there man know everything share everything be a, be at the top of people's mind I guess, how do you filter through the exaggerated stats versus the realistic? Yeah. Or what, are you, what, are, what is the conversation like with a client that says, hey, I read this article in the Vancouver Sun yeah. that said sales are down 40% yeah. and they keep falling. Should I wait two years to buy? I'll give them my opinion and then be like, you you got to make the, you know, at the end of the day, I'll give them my opinion and bet and but. Uh, they're going to make the best decision that's for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's even right now, if someone were to buy it, I don't think they're going to lose too much. They might lose a little bit, but I, I think it's a good time to buy now. It'll be, even, I think it'll be even better time to buy in the winter. I use the example of like a stock market, like a real estate market is a market. It moves up and down. It's like a stock. Yeah. The stock's down 15%. Potentially a good time to buy, right? Yeah. Is it going to go down another 2% before it goes up 10%? I don't know. I, I can't give you that. I, I wish I could see the future. Yeah. Then I'd be a millionaire and I yeah. wouldn't have to sell homes anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I think you need to look at it more. A lot of people treat real estate very emotional. Yeah. And if you're looking at it very rational from an investment point of view, it's not as difficult to make those decisions. Yeah. yeah. That, see, that's why you need a realtor. Housing because market's the realtor come down 20%. That's a big, big drop. That's why you need a realtor, because the realtor can see the difference between the emotional and the factual, where the client can't. Mm-hmm. You know, if the client, client may think they know, but if, if it's a little emotional, well, emotion so powerful, it'll, it'll, it'll make you think something else, man. Yeah. <laughs> it'll make you think something else, for real. Yeah. Emotion will do that. And that's why you do need a realtor who can be there to guide you and help you just so you know you're making the biggest one of the biggest transactions of your life that's gonna potentially help shape your future so why would you not get the help where does this motivation come from for you um you always been a super motivated obviously i've always been super motivated if you look at my instagram it's all motivation um because i've always grown up as a kid like i said listening to tupac motivation uh, Michael Jordan, motivation, Kobe Bryant, motivation. Um, these are some of the people I looked up to. Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United became one of the, he became the greatest athlete of all time. That's motivation. If you're not, you're watching these guys and you're just in all of these guys and not learning or take anything from them, then you're an idiot, man. Like, yeah, be in awe, under, like, be amazed by their greatness, enjoy it, but at the same time, understand why, how are they so great? Why are they great, right? What can I take from them that I can apply to my life and possibly take myself further, mm-hmm. right? That, and that's the way I've been taught, I guess, from my very young age. Like I said, Pasha and Chad, mm-hmm. they've, they've kind of uh, instilled some of that in me early age. Um, my dad, my dad's a huge, biggest success story I know. Fuck, I didn't even talk about my dad, sorry. <laughs> but my dad's a biggest success story I know. He, um, I'll tell you this, man. So my dad's from a village in India. Like I don't, you know what the population of India is. I'm not gonna go into the numbers. Shitload of people, and um, 
he was the only person from his village to graduate with a master's degree. And the, um, at that time, that's in like 1980s, I want to say. Okay. And so he graduated at 27 and he was the only guy in the district. And in that area, there's like, I don't know, like a couple of hundred, like a couple thousand people at least. Like I want to say at least 50 to 100,000 people. He was the only guy to graduate with a master's degree because the school that he went to is like a school that was three hours away where he would bike to every day and back, right? And like... He would say that one more time. He would bike to the school. He would bike... This is college or high school? Yeah, like on dirt roads with like rocks. This is college. He would bike three hours each way? Yeah. Or, and yeah, he would would bike three hours each way to get to school and... Yeah, he was... My my dad was... Yeah, he was a a really good athlete when he was younger. They used to play a sport called Kabaddi. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's it's slowly starting to make minor waves. I don't know if it's going to become a thing or not, but it's starting to insert you, especially with the Indian community and... It's a sport that a lot of people watch, but he was he was good at that. And then, so after he graduated, he was the only guy to graduate. And so even even his dad, his dad came from a very poor family, and he was able to make a business, uh, a clothing business. So like you see the clothing I'm wearing, this is actually from my store in India. Cool. Like all, I don't know if you saw my coat downstairs, it's pretty nice. And I'm not being cocky, I just, <laughs> I'm just saying it's nice. And um, that's also from my store in India. So he, my grandpa actually started a clothing business, and he was able to kind of get our family out of the gutter at the very early age at the, like from when my grandpa, grandpa started. Mm-hmm. And so he got us out of the gutter and then he helped my dad put him through school, got him an education, um, got him education and sent him to Canada, came to Canada with $20 in his pocket with my mom, started working in the farms for a dollar a day. And sometimes, you know, you get paid. Sometimes you don't, you don't, you, you, I just, I was just talking to my dad cause we were driving in South Surrey with a client the other day and we were just going through one of the places He's like, yeah, man, we were looking at the workers going by, driving by. And my dad was like, yo, that used to be us, man. He's like, for 30 days, I didn't see clean clothes. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, shit, man, I'm lucky that you worked hard, bro. And like, um, yeah, man, just crazy shit like that. So he's a crazy success story because he came from there. And then he came to Vancouver and started as a plumber. I'm sorry, started as picking berries from berries, started slowly, started picking berries. And what people don't know is here is the the people that employ these people from India, they want to keep you. They want to take your passport. They don't want to let you out. It's crazy. So my dad knew that. He, he figured that out slowly That because they want to keep you there and underpay you and get you to do work. This is why they do that. And um, yeah, it happens today. It's still going on. And why isn't it stopped? I don't know. But it, it happens and it's still happening. But so my dad knew that. And so they saved enough where they could get, uh, get away. And like 1 or 2 a.m. at night, my, my dad and my mom hopped on the bike fucking got their shit and fled, right? And so they fled. They moved to the city. They started their life out here. Dad started working as a plumber, blah, blah, blah. Worked his way up. Started driving cab. Invested in real estate. Bought his house. First one in 2000, where we currently live. And yeah, real estate's been in our life since. It's uh, He's been an investor in real estate. He knows a lot about it. His education in India is coming very useful to me and him now. Because... Um, since I was in high school and I was doing all that stuff, his attention was taken away from the business because he was driving cab majority of the time. Mm. And now that I'm in the business and I'm working alongside with him, it's kind of reignited his passion to work with me as well. So we got a we got a cool thing going on where our relationship has gotten a lot better over the years as well because there was a strain in it, right? Because of the shit I was doing when I was on the medicine and all that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I got a lot of respect, man, for 
People that come here with absolutely nothing, they have no fallback plan and they just work their ass off. Yeah, he worked his ass off. Growing up as a kid, I got to mention all this shit, man. Growing up as a kid, never, ever did I feel like I couldn't have anything I ever wanted. Like everything was, like he, he made the best, like, yeah, man, everything I have today, everything I earned, I, I owe to that guy. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you tell him that? Yeah, he knows it. He knows it, man. And what he wants me to do is basically, and why I want to share this is what other people should strive to do is take what his dad gave him and he made it better for his son. Now I got to take what I did and make it better for my family, right? Mm-hmm. So it's pay it forward kind of sh- same way. Same way that, uh, you know, we do in basketball, pay it forward. Same thing. That's cool, man. That's a crazy story. Like I said, I have so much respect for people that come from different countries come to Canada don't even know the language they just yeah. put their head down for 10 years grind, grind yeah. push themselves as hard as they can work a ton of hours 10 hours literally and, just and to make life if people want to know how to better. make it that's how you make it man you just work your fucking ass off mm-hmm. you work your ass off you save some money you invest right and you double up like Nipsey <laughs> <laughs> double up man triple up how um undervalued do you think hard work is i think in our in our current society yeah everybody knows the answers everything is out there it's all about applying what you know man people are so lazy because fuck we live in an age where everything's fucking handed to us and it's never been better to live but what the fallback is are people are becoming we're getting the most laziest people what 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 the outcome of all this technology and everything yeah it's all great and shit is the outcome of that is lazy people Mm -hmm. And so you you just got to apply what you know, man. It's not that fucking hard. Like I said, we got no fucking college degree. And like, I don't want to be cocky or anything, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that went to college and you know, they're, they're, they got their university degree and they don't know what the, you know, like university doesn't teach you to be ready for life or to be ready to, you know, make a living and be a part of society. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't get you ready for that shit. They teach you how to read a book and fucking write an exam. People don't <laughs> understand that. University is a business and it's a really crazy business, successful business, crazy business, right? They somehow manipulate people into thinking that you giving them $40,000 a year is going to make your life better. And you know what? People need to listen to people like Gary Vee because he said, you know what he said? He says like, um, this shit, you know how uh, we're getting into the entrepreneur agentship. Mm -hmm. I feel like when people do realize the scam of schools, watch watch the prices fall back down and then when we look back at history we'll be like yeah these fucking idiots were paying 50 100k to go to school what a fucking retards right you know that's the way i'm looking at it i'm looking at it like yo are you serious like this is this is what you're investing you're gonna you're gonna invest to do this like school is a fucking huge investment man but like what is it i feel like our parents and stuff just fully believe in university 100 percent because it was affordable when they did it mm. it was so? affordable when they did so it. so it's just less of a business yeah it was a less of now it's a hundred percent of a mm-hmm. business like I think there just wasn't other options, right? Like, in order to get a job, you needed to have a degree in the yeah. 80s, right? Mm. But now there's a thing called the internet right. that you don't need. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares about this piece of paper anymore. <laughs> Straight right? up. Straight up. When we now have six, well, four other realtors, we have myself, my partner, and then four other realtors. And when we were looking to bring on more people, having a degree is a deterrent for me. I don't. That's I think hilarious. it. I think it's different. Like I think yeah. you're just. I've, I've you're, heard that too. I've because you're so you're overqualified. Maybe you're looking for something else down the line, right? So people won't hire you for that. But I don't want. I like people use it as a crutch, right? 
you'll meet with someone over coffee and they'll be like, oh yeah, I got my degree in this. I'm like, have you sold anything? Yeah. <laughs> right, I see. And they're like, no, but I, I have this piece of paper that says I'm qualified. I'm like, I mean shit. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Gary Vios talks about emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. Emotional How intelligence. Street sm- I just call it street smarts, street but it's the same thing. How being adaptable, understanding that everyone is different and... I don't like, I want to be careful how I say this because I think in all cases, I like being honest and like truthful with people. Um, But information needs to be presented differently to different people. Some people are very analytical. They want to see a bunch of stats. They want to see two years worth of sales in a neighborhood. They want to see price per square foot. That's fine. Here it is. Other people just want your opinion, right? And so you need to be able to read someone, understand what they are looking for for them to make a decision and provide them with that. And that's not taught in any book. So when you do choose a brokerage and they're telling you they're going to teach you this shit, they're not going <laughs> to teach you that. What Denny just said is exactly what you need to know. Is emotional intelligence, be able to listen to yourself and make decisions. No brokerage is going to do anything for you. They that because that that's the question you do you probably come across it all the time. All the time. Should I pick my should I pick this brokerage or that brokerage because they said they're going to do this, they said they're going to do that. No. You're all you're it's your own business, man. Like what you just said is exactly what people should they should know you can't like even listening presentations and this is something i really try to get my team to understand is sure you can have an outline of a listening presentation all the things that you want to go through but you have to in the first few minutes understand what the person is looking for some people want to know a exact detailed plan of what you're going to do marketing wise to get their house the most exposure other people just want to like chat with you and yeah. they want to get to know you and they want to see if you can build a relationship with each other. If they, if you have anything in common with them, other people literally just say, what's my house worth? I like you guys. I follow you on social media. I don't need to know all that stuff. I already know. Yeah. Just tell me what the number is. They're like, all right, let's move on. We don't need to, <laughs> I don't need you to waste an hour of my time. Yeah. So, but I think that's rare. I think going into a situation and reading people and understanding what they are looking for. Yeah is really underestimated yeah especially in a sales role that's what the business comes down to though at the end of the day Mm -hmm. when you're making a deal what do you use what you just mentioned that's what you're doing Mm -hmm. you're not using some book you're not looking at these numbers that's what you're doing Mm -hmm. so that's why none of the other shit at the end of the day like how can you connect with humans but that's what it comes down to Mm -hmm. being able to talk to people is very important very important (laughs) Do you have any self-employed friends? Do you have any self-employed friends? Yeah. Um, As I'm getting farther and farther into my career, I'm finding a lot of value in like meeting other people that are like me. Yeah. That like want to keep growing, want to keep, keep growing, keep being becoming more successful. Yeah. Um, like a lot of my high school friends. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that they're like they're nine to fivers. Yeah. They have like corporate jobs. Okay. And I just don't have a ton in common with them but yeah. i find a lot of value in just meeting with other yeah. people that opening think up same, networks right? you never know what's great yeah, yeah for sure man i'll think of something um then do you like i don't know somebody to, like you are you hoping for like or for like abby set or something oh you know? more it was more just like a com- like just curious about just, oh, you oh um yeah i have i don't i mean one of my friends all my friends want to become like self-employed kind of right now, but uh, it's, it's fancy right now. Right? It's fancy right yeah. now, and <laughs> they're kind of seeing me do it, and they're like, "Oh, it's easy. We're gonna do it too." A couple of my friends actually did get it, 
and now they're seeing how hard it is. So I've seen some people lose their license as well, and it's yeah, man. Um, I, I one thing I realized is I try not to worry about other people's shit, and because it is, I don't know, man. I just, I just yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not a mean guy or anything. I just try not to worry about other people's shit. I just want to be like worried about me because w- one thing I'm realizing is as I'm getting older. One thing I definitely realized is how fast time flies by high school. Years mm-hmm. used to be long as fuck. Yeah. Summers used to be long as fuck. Now it's like, God damn, half of the year is already gone. And so that's one thing I realized. So that's why, yeah, you know, all my, all my friends are still my friends, but do I see them often? No. Mm-hmm. Um, or will they be my friends in 10, 15 years? For my end, yeah. yeah. But like, I, I might not be very present. That's because, you know, I'm I'm working on my goals and my life and the things I want to achieve because time's fucking flying by. And when you like what you do, man, it's so crazy. How it's much, crazy. First of all, how much happier you are, but second of all, just like how much quicker the time goes. Yeah. It was the same for me. Every semester in college felt like seven years. Fuck. It was just like every <laughs> day like I'd wake jail, up man. and I'd be like, ah, oh, I have to fucking do this again. Yeah. To go to sit in this ridiculous class that, oh, you're talking about, Took this anthropology class in year one. <laughs> Seriously. And there was clucks in the class. Like, they were saying, like, tribes' names, and it was yeah. like, like, pardon me. How am, I, how am I supposed to write that down? Yeah. Exclamation mark. Yeah. How do you, how do you? <laughs> I, do, I still don't know. <laughs> so you just didn't do it. You're like, fuck this. I don't think I got a baby. Yeah. Uh, okay, can we talk? Let's chat a bit about Abby. Yeah. I know. How did you guys meet? And Abby, I met through the YMCA. Okay. Yeah. So I've been going Playing there basketball? for. No, I've just seen each other. I've been going there okay. for 20 years. He's been going there for 20 plus years. Um, so I've been going to the same gym since I was three years old, actually. Um, at the Lingara YMCA. And Abby's been going there. So we've been seeing each other. And how we kind of developed our relationship was over CBD. Um, Is he I, who introduced you to it? I introduced him to it. You introduced him, him to it. To it yeah. Wow! I thought he said the other way around. We gotta call Abby back. Yeah, here. we gotta call. We should call him right now. <laughs> get him on. We gotta get him on. Get him on tower now. What the fuck do you say, to you guys, man? Yeah. So basically, when I got really sick, yeah. Um, one of the things that I that helped me get back into remission was using CBD. This, Maybe chat about like what CBD's done for you, because it seems like everyone has a little bit of a different experience with it. Some people yeah. it helps with their like joint pain. Other people, it's like internal. Yeah, because Other it goes into your body. Like clar- mental clarity. Everybody's different because it goes into your body and it works as a detox. So it's going to look for the problem. When it finds a problem, it'll attack it. And when it does attack it, it's going to get that shit out of your system. So it's coming out one way. Doesn't that sound like too good to be true? Like to just but, say it like that, well, right? It's, it's going it to find the problem too good in your body true. and it's going to fix it. Th- that's, a, that's a simple way of putting it. I yeah. don't know the scientific way. Yeah. But um, essentially, it goes into your bloodstream. It works as a... Um, uh, anti-inflammatory and colitis is a very anti-inflammatory disease all diseases start from inflammation mm-hmm. in order to get rid of disease get rid of inflammation mm-hmm. how do we get rid of inflammation cbd is one of the world's strongest anti-inflammatories so mm-hmm. cbd fights that and it gives you a calming sensation it doesn't give you an high it gives you a calming sensation almost like a cooling mm-hmm. and it works starts from the deep inner core as an anti-inflammatory it goes outwards so it goes into the door finds the root problem and it works to believe that and so cbd is just being now research has been started i guess because 
um, they're actually able to do work on it and stuff. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in, in, in the US, you can sell it, but in Canada, CBD is still considered a class one drug because uh, it still that goes is. into a huge other topic of big pharma, which I can talk on for days on food, but we won't. We'll go there as a, as a did did the as CBD a whole other conversation. Did the CBD help you get off those pills that you were talking about earlier? Um, I wouldn't say it got me help. If I if I say it got me help, it got me off the pills. Right. Then fucking everybody's gonna be calling me out on it. But um, it definitely aided me into getting into remission. I would say it was a huge part. I took it every day. Still do. Um, and CBD. I got my my parents take it. Um. There's, you don't need to worry. People are, they are this, they're, they're worried about the stigma of it being related to THC and marijuana, which it is not. Um, yeah, CBD is gonna, it's gonna impact big pharma very, very uh, roughly. So, depending on the war with these two big sides, I don't know what that's gonna play out like because I have no idea what the like big pharma is capable of anything, right? And yeah, big pharma doesn't, they don't play, you know. Big Pharma doesn't play fair. They don't. They don't want to see CBD come into the market until they figure out how they can get their piece of the pie. And then it will be out there. But until then, um, so there's there's a lot of things, a lot of moving pieces in the cannabis and the CBD. It's fucking crazy. But um, one thing for sure is, don't just be watching. I hope you're investing into this market some way or another. I hope you're just not watching. Seriously. Because for the longest time, we've been prop- with propaganda and with, um, you know, like marijuana, the name was created because um, way, way back in the day, the Mexicans and the blacks, they would say, hey, the, these Mexicans and blacks, they smoke marijuana and they're going to come rape your, they're going to come rape your uh, girls, you're going to come rape your wives. And that's how marijuana was made. And that's how the stigma was started. And over time, it like stories it gets changed and blah, blah blah but that's how the stigma was there and we're in a new time and age um i i know people are not going to be looking at the, especially the new generation they don't look cannabis they don't look at cannabis and marijuana as a drug um they're starting to realize its potential mm-hmm. and i think the sooner the people realize its potential the sooner people can start healing themselves the people will start understanding that you know this is a plant and then you got your pharmaceuticals over here you know take a take a step back and take a look at the big picture <laughs> it's so simple when you look at it like that right it is it is but then again um people because going through it myself with the doctors and then the natural pass it's a it's a fucking toxic environment man and i'm just glad i'm not in that space anymore and that you know, it's a toxic environment because these two sides are constantly fighting and it, you you don't realize it until you go through it or you see it through somebody that you know that went through it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's uh, kind of behind the scenes, but pretty crazy. How quickly did you start um, noticing effects from it? From the... From using CBD. From using CBD? Um, so when I started using CBD was the first days I started... Uh, going vegan as well and started juicing and smoothies as well. Mm. So I started doing all that shit with tons of CBD and I could feel the difference instantly. I felt, I remember the first the smoothie I drank was a blueberry, banana, ice, CBD, um, some turmeric and it was cold. It went down and I felt 
good for the first time because I felt something cold going down and my body was just kind of relaxed with the CBD. And yeah, it was um total game changer for me, man, for real. And uh, I'm, I'm going to keep on taking it. And CBD is just a start. There's so many, there's like 80 to 90 compounds of CBD that we haven't even discovered yet. I think That's to it. date, there's only like three to four that they know. I was just saying there's about a hundred different compounds that come different, out of okay. the plant. Yeah. And really only two are well known, THC and CBD. Exactly. So I've heard some crazy shit like your your brain capacity working 10 times faster. Like this is all natural stuff too, right? Um, stuff that will uh, suppress your, like suppress your food or your diet or whatever, or your hunger. Um, THCV does that. THCV yeah, is called the Ferrari that. of cannabinoids. And it's very good for athletes because it's really high in, like, it's really good for anti-inflammatory properties. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of compounds that are going to come, and, and it's going to be a billion-dollar industry, uh, The just the CBD market. Easy. Easy. Billion-dollar industry, Easy. just the CBD market. Yeah. And then you got, your, you got your crypto market over here. You got, you got you know, if you're, if you're someone that's, like, 35 or younger, like, you got some good times coming for you, man. It's a... Right now, we're at the lower end of the economy when this shit finally starts forming. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of uh, wealthy people walking around these streets. It's exciting, man. I think a lot of people, a lot of people are f- almost afraid of how quickly technology is changing. Yeah. But for me, it's exciting. It's just like something new all the time and the opportunity to keep improving, whether it's like efficiency in a business with different technologies or, you know, whatever it is. VR is exciting. What what do you relate back to when you don't know what's already in your system, right? And what do we go to? I want you to answer this. Okay. Say say that one more time. So when we don't know what to do, we revert back to what we've been programmed to know. And what are we programmed from a very young age to know? Google. Basketball. Oh. Basketball. I was hoping you'd say basketball. <laughs> All my answers are on Google. I, I was, just, dude, I was just making that connection again right there. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. That makes sense, Dan. Yeah, so you were... Just where I learned everything from, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. The competitive nature, the... Even solve like... Problems. Solve problems. Solve problems. you in a tough situation. Fuck, what should I do? Even just self-confidence yeah. came from basketball for me. Yeah. And I'm sure it helped you too, Carl. Super basketball and fucking tall skinny white kid what's up <laughs> that's awesome man we should yeah. wrap up yeah wrap it up man thanks very much for coming on man I appreciate it, it man great man. to meet Thank I you, hope Abby, we get man. to do a deal together soon that'd be sick that'd be fun yeah we're gonna treat each other in with Brentwood, respect right? oh 100% we deal with each other <laughs> <laughs> wherever man Brentwood West or uh, South Vancouver yeah New West your main you main what's your main area like Poco New West is, New West? I'd say, about half our business, and then yeah. it kind of goes everywhere else. Okay. Last year was cool. We sold in 11 different cities. Wow. Pretty wow. cool. Everywhere from North Van to, like, Langley, Pitt Meadows, yeah. basically. That's, I know you guys. Takes you everywhere. Are you guys looking to expand? Or you guys have a team? Are you guys going to keep on expanding, or what's the plan? On- we we have some phenomenal people now, Yeah, and I'm super pumped about... In the last 12 months, we've gone from... Um, We've just made a couple really, we have a couple of people that joined us that have elevated our game. And so I'm really excited about that. But in terms of growth, we want to keep growing, but I think we're at a point right now where we have a couple of years before that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
We've got some people that have a ton of potential that license? is not tapped yet. Are you guys working with licensed? Uh, I guess you're, they're licensed because they're on your team, right? Yeah, so we have six realtors now. Okay. And okay. three assistants. And yeah, three assistants. Oh, okay, that's yeah. a pretty big team. We're getting there. Yeah. That's, We're a, getting that's there. a pretty big team. We've got some big ambitions. I'm not afraid to share my goals. <laughs> share one of them. They hold me accountable. Share one of them. Uh, we, well, when I say we, it's me and Jamie. We, uh, we want to be the... I just say the best real estate team in Greater Vancouver. I don't care about the numbers, really. I don't care about beating people. We have this goal of doing, like, I'd say goal in terms of, like, comfort level of where we want to be. We don't want to have a team with 40 agents. We want to have a team probably with 10 to 12. Nice. That does, like, 250 to $300 million of sales a year. And then we want to spin that off into developing. So we want to start doing multifamily eventually. Um, that basically just provides opportunity for the people on our team to sell the units that we're building. Sweet. Sweet. That's pretty cool. I love real estate. Everything about it, man. Yeah. The connections you make, the sweet people we get to deal with. Sales is like so much fun and it's like a weird high that you get from selling something. That's what we're chasing, man. I'm chasing that feeling again every single time. It's, oh man, it never goes away. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) That feeling of hitting in the five three years, and just walking I'm back like up. just over five years in. I've probably, I haven't done the exact numbers, but I've probably done about 500 deals. Wow, wow! And it doesn't go away. Yeah, it still feels good. That's maybe at 2,000 deals, it'll feel different. I yeah. don't know when I'm fucking 40 and washed up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it never goes away. It's so fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's get out of here. Great to meet you. Yeah, man. I'm sure we'll Likewise. connect again soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Later.